0: Unloose the goose we'll take no use Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use.
1: And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to Unloose the Goose, the agorist podcast supergroup. And today, we really don't have a much of a topic. We're kind of going to freestyle a little bit. We're going to try to mix it in with the theme of empowerment, just so there's some cohesion. And we're not just pulling stuff out of our rear ends, although it'll be mostly that, which is fun. I know you guys like the stuff that comes out of our rear ends in the audience.
2: <laughs> Wait a minute.
1: Or you wouldn't be listening. <laughs> uh, my name's John Bush. Today we're joined by the lovely Nicole Sauce and Senor Spierko. How are you guys doing?
2: Jack, Hi, you have man. a haircut.
0: He got a haircut. He's looking sharp, that guy. Yeah, I got my... Well, I got my haircut with a workshop. Yeah. That's like my... You know, my, People say it's my my twice twice or biannual haircut. I get three a year, man. I mean, what do you want from me? Uh, you know, we've been so you have
1: participated in the D3 Tech Summit, and you uh, you participated in the Greater Reset last time too. And whoever dug up the picture, it's an old picture. And just when you look at those old pictures, man, you look you lost a lot of weight. You look you look good. I did lose a lot of weight. I got
0: a lot more gray though. It's like night and day. That's for wisdom. Every, for every pound I lost, I put I, I put on twenty gray hairs. Nice.
2: <laughs> Is that how that works?
0: I think so. I don't know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
1: I sprung a bunch after my divorce. That was that was hell. Before it was the kids giving it to me. Then was...
2: just wait till your teenagers get in, involved. Oh man! In the gray hair creation process.
0: You know you're old car. when you've got gray chest hairs. That's when it's, it's there. He not, goes. Like it's over when that happens. I'm now we're sure talking. I'm I'm
2: not getting gray chest hair for a long time. <laughs> <I> hope not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to emcee and try to keep us on some sort of track, although it'll be a long and winding road. So uh, we just had a couple events. I hosted the D3 Tech Summit as part of the Greater Reset. And Nicole had an event there in Tennessee with their crew. So we can share a little recap and Like we said, mix in a little theme of empowerment. That's really what this show is all about, is being empowered, not just focusing on the problem or complaining about all the tyranny and technocracy in the world, but finding solutions so you can find more freedom in your life. And hopefully expand that outward, right, through a podcast or talking to family and friends or entrepreneurship, offering goods and services that enhance people's lives. All of these are beautiful things. So why don't you uh, give us a breakdown of your workshop? And I, You said you had an insight. Some people kind of came out of their shell.
2: Every year the workshop has some sort of insight or corner that we all turn. And I never know that's going to be in advance. This year our theme was Thrive. Because when you're taking control of your life and building it the way you want to live it, you have to thrive. And a lot of people come in and say, I'm going to raise quail or I'm going to grow my own food or I'm going to start this business delivering Grubhub stuff or whatever it is. And they design it in a way that makes it so they're working all the time and they're miserable or they're losing money. They they end up with a really expensive hobby in the form of aquaponics aquaponics does not have to be an expensive hobby. It should be bringing you more value than you're getting. And so we had a lot of business focuses. We had uh, sessions on business structure and ways to track your expenses very well so that you can maximize your deductions and pay Uncle Sam a little bit less, Mm -hmm. paired with hard demos like how to go from hoof to fork on a pig and how to make cheese, things like that. So it was kind of like homesteading meets business, and then we just had a whole lot of fun. But the insight we got out wasn't, hey, build your stuff so that you make money and, and, and you have the kind of free time you want and the family time you want. It was before the event, a number of introverts said, I'm going out of my comfort zone here. I'm coming to this event. I'm awkward around people. They admitted it. So just admitting that for an introvert is out of their comfort zone. And they got down here and they weren't uncomfortable. And they realized a lot of like many. I heard this from probably six or seven people. I got down there and I realized that the reason I'm quote unquote awkward socially is that I'm around people who are toxic all the time in different communities. Mm. Because if you have a community with one or two toxic people, those people run the community. And that's Mm. where you have that unwelcome thing. Here, they were around people who are doers and empowerers, and they felt comfortable and safe. And some of them even sang karaoke, Jack.
1: Nice. Yeah. Oh, great. I
2: mean, got up and spoke publicly, all of it. It was great. One of them went home, wrote me a, a guest form request, and I interviewed her right away as the workshop recap. And that was way out of her comfort zone because she's a writer, not a talker. So that was the big thing. And they're going home, and they're looking at the community communities that they're in. And deciding which ones to leave, because the only thing you can do if you don't run the community is get out if it's toxic.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Have you noticed that a lot of that happens at like your workshops, my workshops, people like you made a conscious effort this time to make it happen even more? Yeah. I mean, I have talked to people. The one workshop at your place I went to the multiple ones here where you're having a conversation and then they tell you that they're shy, that they're introverted or whatever. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? You've been working the room for three days, you know, and they're telling you on the last night when everybody's plowed out on rum or whatever, like that they're like, they're, they're an introvert. They don't talk to people. I'm like, you've been talking to everybody. And I think it's like being around people, like you said, that aren't toxic, but I also think it's like going, Holy shit. I'm normal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Some of us are more extroverted than others, obviously, podcasters, media personalities, we have some of that going on. But we probably also I mean, I know I've before I started doing in life events with my community, yeah. I always felt like I gotta be I gotta be a weird duck, man. I really do it. <laughs> I figured out I'm actually just a normal goose.
2: No, we're normal out there <laughs> is not normal. That's what people yeah. don't realize. Yeah. And then yeah. when they do, it changes their life. And and I'm excited to see when they come back next year, what they're doing, because every time that epiphany happens the next year you come back and there's this totally different person who has owned their life and they've owned what they're going to be. And they've built it the way they want it rather than the way they were told they have to build it.
0: Yeah. A break in the rules, man. That's what we do. And like, what amazes me is how many rules aren't rules. Yeah. Like no one will come take you away. No one will arrest you. No one will find you like, There are life rules, like if you do bad shit, like you get bad karma back or whatever. But in general, so many people do so many things they think they have to do. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. (laughs) And I think like, I think a big part of it is like meeting 20, 30 other people that are like, yeah, I don't do that shit. And they're like, really? Like, I think just being around people, like you realize like, this is going to sound weird because it's not the same thing. But when I was really young and broke ass, I worked at a factory and uh, shipping center and things like that. We had to pack these boxes and load them and label them and put them on the truck. And we were judged based on the dollar value of the stuff that went in. It was like a piecework thing. Yeah. And I was always good, but I wasn't like the best. Right. And the supervisor put this guy with me named Nate and he's like, I'm going to do everything. All you got to do is seal the, the, the boxes and push them out. Try to keep up. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And I, I almost died. Like three <laughs> hours, all I was doing was sealing boxes, writing a thing on them and pushing them out. And the guy almost killed me. And I was in my 20s in like prime of health. Yeah. And But my performance exploded from that point forward on a mundane job like that, just because you were with somebody that took it to that level. And I think that's what happens in events like what you just mm. did. Like people are around others that they up that level and then they just naturally go, oh shit. It's like, you know, the first guy that ever ran like the four minute mile. Like it also like, 20 other people did it in six months or something like that. And it was supposedly undoable. And one guy does it and then boom, it just falls. Yeah. yeah.
1: I like the crowd that we roll in because everyone's so no- non-judgmental. So it's a great place for introverts to come out of their shell. You know, I actually don't even like the term introvert extrovert because I don't think it's like a classification that has some scientific methodology behind it. I think it's a self-imposed term a judgment that someone puts on themselves anybody that's introverted can it takes a little bit of work and you know a little bit of getting used to being a little more outgoing but anybody that's introverted can be an extrovert at the same time and it's especially easy if you consider yourself an introvert around a cool laid-back crowd like Nicole's crew or the TSP community or the Aggers community, much of the Liberty community. There's not, it's not like back in high school when everyone was judgmental and you had to be cool and this, that, or the other, there's a really welcoming vibe. So, and you guys said that we're normal, but really we're the weirdos. And when you're around <laughs> the other weirdos, then you're like, okay, cool. No, They're
2: weird. We need to change that. Yeah. We're yeah I'm with Nicole. They're weird. An they're introvert weird. is a person who recharges by their self. So you'll see them, even if it's somebody who's really personable and out there and having a good time. You'll see them take a walk for a minute by themselves. In our community, when you see that, people don't run up and say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they will yeah. in other places, and yeah. all you're thinking is, an because inter- I'm one, you're thinking, just leave me the fuck alone for five minutes, and I'll be back. I just needed to think this through, and then I'm going to go back in and be my normal, vivacious self.
0: Yeah, yeah. People get that, overwhelmed. That's how I ended up on the Appalachian Trail for three months when I got out of the Army, because... I got back from that, and my my last straw was I was with some old high school friends who were sitting around this uh, lake drinking beer and all, and they were just talking about rant. like It sounded like they were still in high school, you know, and the years had gone by since then. And I just grabbed a beer, and I walked. 30 yards away, sat on a rock and just reflected, enjoyed the thing, had a beer, but one beer. I mean, you guys know me. It doesn't take me that long to drink one beer. <laughs> and I came back over and, you know, everybody just seemed a little bit weird. And then I heard them talking later like, man, what's what's wrong with Jack? You know, what's wrong with him? And I'm like, y'all are wrong with me. I didn't say anything. And I'm just thinking, y'all are wrong with me. You don't shut up about all your needless, pointless, childish crap. And I needed a break. And I realized, like, I was ready to snap. I was ready to punch people in the face for standing in line wrong at the grocery store. Because when you go to, like, a military grocery store, there's a right way to stand in line. I'm like, you, you, you can't impose your will on others like that. So I just left for, like, three months and got my shit together. But I think that, like, these events, I think that's, that's kind of what happens is people, in three days, they get their shit together because – it's so much more empowering than being alone to be together with people that are normal. And I do think, I agree with Nicole, this is normal. There's a lot so, of okay, doing Okay, there was the to. D3
2: thing you were doing at the same time. So I originally intended to do a watch party and stream it. And then we had winter, spring, and fall <laughs> in three days at my event. And it became a bit of a logistical struggle, although we kept everybody as warm as we could and as dry as we could. What happened at D3, John? Like, what did you see there?
1: Well, we hosted the Decentralized, Distributed, and Disruptive Technology Summit. It was the 24th and 25th, just wrapped up. It was two days. Each day was like five hours. So it was 10 hours of content. And it went really well. There was quite a few people that tuned into the stream. And we really got deep into cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. And speaking of empowerment, like... A lot of the greater reset audience is skeptical about cryptocurrency, right? In fact, there's this woman, Alison McDowell, who does amazing research on the fourth industrial revolution and human capital markets and all of this track and trace surveillance technology. And she's extremely critical of blockchain, but she sees it so black and white, like the Illuminati types technocrats are leveraging blockchain technology for greater surveillance, therefore blockchain bad. And there's a lot of folks that subscribe to that. She even like tried to take me and Derek to task, calling us out publicly. But before she did, she blocked both of us so we couldn't respond. And is like, I wonder why the Freedom Cell Network is so concerned with cryptocurrency, but they don't mention human capital bonds. And I'm like, every time I bring up cryptocurrency, we do mention that kind of stuff and that there's a problem. So there's a lot of people that were skeptical. So one of my aims was to kind of demystify and make it more... Uh, accessible but then also really take note of the fact that blockchain technology is being used for digital identity certificates and it'll be a wonderful application for immunity passports and even geospatial tokenization where if you have this token then you can enter the public transport if you don't then you can't that kind of deal like some china stuff but the point is that it's a tool like a firearm. It can be used to coerce, it can be used to enslave, or it can be used to fend off an attacker, or it can be used for an uprising, a revolution, to throw off a tyrannical dictator. Just the same blockchain, I think that it cr- was created organically. I think it was probably a little conglomerate of these cypherpunk crypto-anarchists, and they are like, let's work together, and we know this is going to be a big deal, so we don't want to put our identity to it. Like Jack was saying, one of the best things Toshi Nakamoto did was just stay hidden But it was created organically, in my opinion. And then, of course, the powers that be are going to leverage it and utilize it. It's a great tool. It's wonderful for analysis and for collecting data and for presenting that data. So it's a great database. It's a huge improvement in evolution and innovation when it comes to database technology. And so for people to just say, well, they're doing that with it, therefore it's bad and we should stay away from it really leaves a lot of opportunity on the table. And that, Jack was the keynote for day one, and his, his uh, speech was really well received, and that's one of the things I got out of it was like it's a weapon. If we just ignore the weapon and don't use it ourselves and cede that territory to the enemy, then it's going to be even harder to overcome what we're facing.
0: Yeah, I mean, think about it like World War II, right? We we all know the U.S. developed the atomic bomb in World War II and dropped it on Japan. Maybe we shouldn't have dropped it on Japan. Wait, what's this we business? You you know what I mean? When I say we, I mean as a nation.
2: Um, I
0: don't know that it needed to be dropped, but I don't think what most people know is that Germany and Japan had their own nuclear programs and were, like, really close to having the bomb. So, without putting any of our shtick on it and just accepting World War II as what it was, if the U.S. had said, you know what, atomic bombs are bad. We don't want one. Well, you know, Germany fell anyway. Japan may or may not have fallen, but let's just give Japan like two more months. And maybe we have a different world today in a mushroom cloud over Los Angeles. I don't know. But you don't ignore the weaponry of your enemy? And, if, and every historical war has been an arms race. And to me, I like this arms race. I like our odds in this arms race. Like if our arms race is based on guns, I'm still going to own guns. I'm still going to fight back with that, right? But the reality is they can make more guns than we can, no matter how many 3D printers go burn, no matter what, right? They can make more guns. They can buy more guns because they can tax more people and they have more money to buy more guns and pay more people to point them at you. I don't think you can compete in a world where five dudes in some somebody's basement can get together and develop the next cutting-edge privacy technology. Yeah. And that can happen with millions of people at all times. And then even when they build the chain, that's the thing about blockchain. You can build on somebody else's chain without their permission. That's how blockchains work, <laughs> right? Pirate chain, my favorite c- privacy. Also, I didn't know you Arr. were your there. favorite right you now. You should have bought it when I told you. I'm just going to say that. anyway. <laughs> that. um
2: Thank you, Dan
0: Yep. Nicole's <laughs> net worth has gone up. <laughs> you got a Lambo in the front yard. No. But R doesn't yeah. just run on R's blockchain. It runs on R's blockchain, Kubota's blockchain, and Bitcoin's blockchain all at the same time. Now they didn't like write to the Bitcoin people and say, may we please use your chain? <laughs> right? They just did it. Yeah. And so even some of the stuff that's being designed like to do digital identification. One of the things I'm excited about is I want to do digital ID. I just don't want it to say Jack Spirico or John Bush or Nicole Sauce. I want a digital ID for my second personality in this cypher world, where I can do business as a citizen of that virtual nation, and maybe no one needs to know that it's Jack Spirko. They just need to know my trust and reputation there, which yeah. is a lot of how like the Satoshi stuff went down, right? Like we don't really know if it was Satoshi or Team Team Satoshi. But when you brought that up, John, I found something since then. Everybody has to listen to this. There's a, a podcast. I'll find the link for it. Maybe we could drop it into YouTube when I find it. Um, it's called The Last Days of Satoshi. And it goes through, instead of just, you know, everybody says, I read the white paper. Okay, fine. It goes through, like, all of the forum back mm-hmm. and forth of development right up until the absolute last day when Satoshi just poof went away. And this whole idea now that, like, Satoshi was some god that was to be obeyed, like, it's just, it kills it. And I've, I've read all that years ago, but it was put together in such a great audio, like an audiobook format. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. And it, I think it'll take a lot of people that are skeptical on blockchain, like the CIA did it or whatever and make you realize yeah. like probably not, though the CIA computer is geese. involved. The CIA is involved with that story. Because one of the guys that worked on the original code did meet with U.S. intelligence.
1: Gavin Andreessen.
0: Yeah, Gavin Andreessen. He did meet with – That's when Satoshi dipped out. He's like, oh, shit. (laughs) CIA wants to learn about
1: it. I'm out. And no more posts. There's a book, too. It's called The Book of Satoshi, and it's his collective writings. So, Those are both worth checking out. The, yeah. the audio
0: thing though, we got, we got audio people listening to us, right? Yeah,
1: so. for sure. I'll listen to the audio. It's, it's really interesting. And he was fallible and didn't know it all and wanted it yeah. to be a community project and wanted to bring on other people. There was no ego involved, obviously, because it wasn't tied to his identity and he just seeded it out. So, so yeah, somebody asked, um, in the comments on YouTube, Here's a topic, using crypto to get away from all kinds of abusive relationships, personal or governmental. And, you know, interestingly enough, there's so much overlap, you know, have you, I don't know if you guys have seen this post going around on Facebook or on social media and it's like my partner won't let me leave the house and every time i do leave the house i have to check in and when i go into a place he makes sure and follows me and if i don't do this then he won't let me leave ever again until i comply with whatever and they're like oh wait that's the government so it's it's a trip the parallels between an abusive relationship and an abusive relationship with the government but i guess to kind of answer the question um if you're specifically referring to an abusive relationship and perhaps you have some sort of money and wealth that you want to conceal or cover, I mean, if you're married and the wealth or crypto was accumulated after the marriage, then legally quote unquote, it's considered community property, right? So be careful with that. But if it is, if you're like trying to flock or flee, or you do have a controlling abusive partner that wants to leverage financial coercion in order to control you, then cryptocurrency is a good tool because it's not like a joint bank account kind of deal. You can literally go and even in a relationship, you can have some sovereignty, right? And you can put some money into that and you can keep it a secret and you can just have it recorded somewhere safely and securely. And you don't even have to have it on your phone if there's an abusive relationship where one partner snoops through the other partner's phones. You can set up a non-custodial wallet and then you do your recovery phrase and then you have your wallet and you have crypto sent to it or you buy it, however... And then you can delete the wallet off of your phone and just hold on to that piece of paper in a safe place. And then interestingly enough, this also helps when avoiding the man in the government, right? Yeah. Um, one of the best ways to get crypto privately is through peer-to-peer, r- human-to-human relationships, which is what I always try to play up with the Freedom Cell network is to build those networks, try to find people that are well-known or trusted in the TSP community, the Tennessee crew, the Unloose the Goose community. Um, and then there's a service like Bisk, B-I-S-Q. Now you get taxed quite a bit, like 10% on top, but they do allow you to buy anonymous peer-to-peer. There's a few other ones, local.bitcoins.com is one also. Just make sure that you do a transaction with someone that has a trusted Uh, reputation, not just two trades or five trades, but hundreds of trades with 97 or 98 percent approval or higher. That's the advice I would give. And then I just want to give a quick plug for a workshop that I'm doing uh, myself, along with Matt McKibben. He's been in crypto for years and years and years. And uh, Ramiro Romani, who co-produced the Greater Reset and the D3 Tech Summit. Uh, We're doing a live virtual workshop. Uh, it's going to be interactive we're going to do it on zoom so there's going to be q and a there's going to be breakout sessions and it's called demystifying crypto how to buy hold hodl HODL. and oh. everyone's like did you, you you misspelled the headline there john you're usually <laughs> no, pretty good man. about that stuff it's like no <laughs> let me it's a conversation starter um yeah. we can talk about what that means too and then how to multiply your crypto also so it's going to be 2 days 8 hours worth of content i'm going to go deep on the basics what is cryptocurrency? What is blockchain technology? How does it work? Why is it valuable? Everyone's like, why the hell is this valuable? It does, it's not backed by anything. What is this? Is what's what, why, How does its price get derived? We're going to go into that. And then we're going to talk about some practical stuff on how to set up a wallet, how to set it up safely and securely. This is geared towards beginners, but intermediate alike, because there's a lot of folks that are, you know, they just took off running, but maybe there's some best practices that they haven't really picked up on. We're going to talk about privacy coins. Privacy is huge in this community with this audience. So we're going to talk about how to acquire crypto privately and then how to transact, send and receive crypto. Definitely be talking about Pirate Chain and Monero as well. Uh, And then uh, Matt McKibben is going to talk about decentralized finance. So this is great for beginners and for immediate intermediate folks. There's actually mechanisms in place now that are legit and popularized where you can take your cryptocurrency, you can stake it. And you can essentially earn interest. You can even use your cryptocurrency as collateral to get loans from other cryptocurrency holders and services. Super cool. There's decentralized exchanges where you can swap cryptocurrencies without having to do know your customer check, which is a critical point of private crypto. And then finally, the last part, we're going to do a whole section on Internet privacy. We're calling this a bonus just to kind of sweeten the deal. So we're going to learn about VPNs, surfing privately, Avoiding cookies and if you use Facebook, Zuckerberg snooping around and following you from website to website to serve you up some ads. I share information with the CIA too. And then we're going to talk about encrypted chat and encrypted email services. There's a bunch of them. And I think yeah. I'm on all, all on top of it. Like, I got Proton Mail. And then it's like, no, Proton Mail is controlled by the CIA. You're like, oh man. <laughs> So we're going to try to break down best practices in that yeah. regard too. So people yeah. can learn about that and sign up at cryptoandprivacy.com. Cryptoandprivacy.com. And I just created a 15% off coupon code. It's goose. G-O-O-S-E. Goose. You get 15% off just for this audience. Cryptoandprivacy.com.
0: You know, I'm glad you're doing that, John, because we need it. Because what I'm dealing with now, because of Pirate, because people don't listen when it's, you know, eight cents. They listen when it goes up to like nine bucks. And you're like, you might
2: want to pay a little bit right now. Same thing with With Bitcoin. Bitcoin, But they're like, they're
0: in FOMO mode. So what I used to deal with was I want to buy Bitcoin. Okay, fine. You want to buy Bitcoin for cash? Go to Coinbase. Yeah. Do it with Square, dude. Like, do any just here's how you buy Bitcoin. Okay, then they buy Bitcoin. They, they well, now I want to put it in my wallet. Well, here's how you do that, and it was it was easy. Now I've got people going from no crypto to <laughs> they want to know how to get Bitcoin without KYC, which unless you go through one of these things like you're talking about, which they don't have time to do right now, yeah, you know, isn't going to happen. So now you're going to have to buy with KYC, transfer out of something like a, a, a normal exchange like a Coinbase into like a dex-like polarity swap into a privacy coin and then transfer it into a highly encrypted wallet that doesn't work real fast like a Coinami does and it's like i, I really can't i can't be that guy man i can't <laughs> like i can't handhold individual people through this even if i got paid to do it so i really can't do it for free so i'm i'm glad you're doing that because I think what happened is people all of a sudden woke up to the reality of, wait, we really can keep our our business private. And then they want to jump into it all the way. And there's kind of a learning curve there that when you've been doing this for six, eight years, you don't you don't remember it anymore. You're just like, oh, you just go to the exchange and buy it. You know, yeah, yeah it's a challenge, especially it's a challenge already for beginners
1: and I, I notice a lot of people have trouble like the coinbase is easy enough tie your bank account tie a card and yep. then it's kind of has a paypal type platform
2: yeah, but easy.
1: what i what i was asked to help with a lot when i was doing consultations is sending it from coinbase to a non custodial wallet because mm-hmm. then you start messing with an address and this and and people get anxious and you know i'm not going to say you should be anxious but you should be cautious because once you enter the realm of total freedom It comes with a great responsibility, and if you screw something up, there's no customer service to to respond to. Even if you send it to the wrong wallet or send Bitcoin to a BCH address, Mm -hmm. Coinbase isn't going to be able to help you there. They can help you with some stuff internally, but that's a big step. But that's using Bitcoin, which is – has a proven track record and all sorts of innovations. Pirate chains actually is pretty challenging with some of their wallets. Just the people like downloading the entire blockchain, that can kind of be overwhelming. Like, wait a second, how long is this supposed to take? I like the mobile wallet that I use personally, the the mobile ones a a lot more simple, but I'm going to figure out best practices and definitely help people step through that. Cause it's not just your listeners that are into R now it's like taking over the, Uh, The crypto vigilante, Jeff Berwick, was promoting it, too, and it's just kind of exploding. So we had Paul Pui on. He's with Edge Wallet, which is a great, sophisticated wallet, multi-wallet. And uh, I don't know if you had heard, but they're going to set up to receive R pretty soon, too. So that'll be a really great solution that'll make things
2: a lot easier. That'll make it way easier for people.
0: The R devs are working on some new protocols that are going to make the wallets easier. I mean... So without getting too technical, they're using basically the same shielded um, addresses that Zcash does if you use the privacy. But Zcash is optional privacy. So like all the exchanges and stuff, when you buy and trade Zcash, it's not private. Only 6% of the transactions on the Zcash network uh, are private. And it uses what's called a zero-knowledge proof. Well, it was easy for the exchanges because it had a Z at the beginning of it. But basically, it was just like a Bitcoin address for the exchanges. Now you have this highly encrypted with like 1300 different rings within the encryption thing that is mandatorily private and it's just complicated and since exchanges have never done it before, and it's way different than Monero. Monero had already been adopted into, you know, like multi-signature wallets and stuff like, or not multi-signature, multi-coin wallets, light wallets, et cetera. So there was a lot of pre-existing code. You could just kind of go, oh, that's how we handle Monero. R is a totally different tech. So they're making some changes. I think are going to roll out next month. That will get them not only on more exchanges, but get the liquidity on the existing exchanges rolling a lot better. And it should do really well from there. And you know, it's just it's an emerging technology, and and that actually shows you how freaking private it is. I I have the notes from John's D three on my website. It's at the Survival Podcast forward slash D three, uh, Survival Podcast the Survival Podcast dot com forward slash D three. And at the bottom of those notes, there is a our address. And I said, anybody that can tell me anything meaningful about that R address, other than the fact that, because you know I'm associated with it, um, I will give you the money in the address. And I haven't heard from anybody yet. It's been a week. No, no. no, nobody can tell me anything about it. It's like, and it, it, like you give me your Bitcoin address, your Bitcoin Cash address, et cetera. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you every transaction in and out of it. And yeah, that's, we need more technology like this. We really do.
1: Yeah, the transparency is a setback. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people that are really skeptical, skeptical about crypto. And like, we're not denying that the fact that you have a entirely public, transparent blockchain, just a record of all the transactions ever since the Genesis block it really leaves a lot of room to be improved upon when it comes to privacy. And they have this chain analysis technology now. And what happens, a lot of people, first of all, a lot of people aren't aren't aware that it's totally transparent. More people are now. But in the early days, everyone thought they could buy drugs on Silk Road and be just fine. But <laughs> I went to the Ross Ulbricht trial and was blown away by the Department of Justice and how how well-versed they were all of a sudden. I think with that trial, actually, that's when they kind of, Perfected their knowledge on, and they used the private sector. Of course, the public sector wasn't able to do it. They learned from the private sector and brought on goons to do that. But it the, the cool thing about a cryptocurrency transaction, not every one, but most of them, it's like this weird series of inputs and outputs. So if I receive cryptocurrency, it's an input. But the output that would come from Jack's wallet, for example, it pulls all the different inputs if it needs to from dip. So if you've accumulated a whole Bitcoin over the course of like 50 transactions, you've just been buying it slowly and saving it. And then you want to send a whole Bitcoin to another wallet. There's going to be all these different inputs it has to pull from. And if the man ties your identity to one address that's been in your chain of transactions here and there, then they can go back and kind of. D, what's the word, deduce from all those inputs and outputs like, oh, these are all tied to this guy as well. And these all were in this, this one transaction took place. So there's some stuff that you can do to try to conceal that, at least from a surface level. But that information is there. So that's why I think a lot of people are turning to these privacy coins more and more now.
0: Well, and what we're going to be able to do is uh, the, the Komodo guys and the R guys are working together through the Blockchain Privacy and Adoption Association with developing swaps, atomic swaps using R. So let's say you had that Bitcoin, you kind of wanted to erase its history. You can basically send that Bitcoin to yourself through this R atomic swap and all the Bitcoin history behind that just is gone. It yeah. just kind of went away. It just disappeared.
2: Mm-hmm. And then it
0: reappeared on the other side as a totally new Bitcoin on a totally new address that that Bitcoin has to come from somewhere So there may be some history attached to it, but as far as your association with it, it began that second. And they're doing that for a lot of reasons. One is privacy. Another is just interoperability, usability, and adoption. So let's say I go to John and I'm like, hey, I want to buy your Kratom. And John, he's not a nice guy like he is. He was some dick that didn't like pirate for some reason. And I'm like, (laughs) I I want Kratom. And he's like, I I take crypto. And I'm like, well, I want to give you R. And he's like, no, screw you. I want Bitcoin Cash. Well, with this new technology and this new app, if he'll, if he's willing to use that app, I can pay him an R, he gets Bitcoin cash. I stay invisible and maybe he's, you know, maybe he's not an agorist and he's running a brick and mortar store and he has to pay the man, do sales tax, all that. He can get tether if he wants. He can get dollars. If he's in Europe, he can get euros immediately, instantly. And I am essentially spending digital cash. It's, it's completely untraceable. And I think, you know, we're supposed to be talking about empowerment tonight. To me, that's very empowering. Because yeah. we're heading toward a world where I don't have that ability anymore. So this is an example of taking that thing that, yes, is a weapon and let's use it versus ignore it. Because if you ignore weapons, they just they get used on you and you have no defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate irony is all these folks are like they're creating this mark of the beast panopticon surveillance control grid. And crypto is a part of that. When in reality, crypto is one of the most effective tools outside of person to person barter and swapping gold and you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. It's the most effective tool to, to do transactions online. It is exactly the antidote to the very problem that these folks are so concerned with. But because they're blinded by this article or this person that doesn't have a full grasp of what we're really dealing with here, which is pretty freaking cool, they just turn it away. And that's really unfortunate.
2: Well and, and I people also have conflate like conflate the the negative p- potential negative impacts of a thing or a tool or a process that could be abusive with the freeing aspect of that same tool. And if anything mm-hmm. bad can happen, then it's terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And we see this with guns. With where, Kratom too. Yeah. Where it's freeing and it, it can be used to abuse. But it doesn't have to be. And then that goes back to the person who's using that process or that tool or that thing.
1: Yeah, you can choose to be empowering with it. Like I'm going to get a gun and I'm going to learn how to use it safely and proficiently. And I'm going to be empowered to feel more safe and protected and sovereign when I'm out and about instead of feeling afraid or who's that lurking in the corner, you know, that you can protect yourself. Same Earlier thing in the
2: episode, I kind of wanted to jump in on the, the Second Amendment stuff that was starting to come up, the, the firearms discussion. America. I, I read that the Supreme Court may roll back. They're deciding on a case that could roll back a state's ability to uh, control guns. And it's, it was framed, the article I read was framed from the point of view is now lawmakers won't be able to stop gun violence. Oh my goodness. My first thought was now lawmakers can make policies to deal with mental health issues to reduce or, violence, or violence rather than try to take <laughs> a gun from somebody who can yeah. then use a knife or whatever else.
1: Yeah. Like they're using You're knee, not right?
2: seeing the big picture here. If, if if people weren't abusing other people with them, it wouldn't be a problem.
0: Yeah. yeah. If he, violence is already against the law, right? The gun is just a tool. There was some dude several years ago, killed like 18 people with a hammer in Japan before yeah. they stopped him. Not even a knife. I forget. Went down to like, you know, whatever they have, like a home Depot down there, bought a framing hammer and just started taking people out with it because wow. everybody's, everybody's unarmed. Everybody's unarmed. I mean, a hammer is a deadly weapon. You, I remember when I was a kid, there was a guy they found on the news and he had a hole in his head and they said it was about the size of a 50 cent piece. And my, my crusty ass old grandfather's like, I'll tell you what the hell happened. He got hit with a ball peen hammer in the head. And no, you're like, ah, you know, you, it was like two weeks later it came out. They had found the murder weapon. It was a ball peen hammer. The old man was right. I mean, wow. you don't, you don't stop violence by taking away weapons. You stop violence with policies against violence and with the ability of victims to not be victims because A hammer's a deadly weapon, but dropping the hammer from a 1911 (laughs) generally ends the hammer attack real fast, right? Like I, I promise you that's not going to work out well for you. And we need people to be armed and we need armed with technology too. On the other side, like even with this surveillance stuff with Bitcoin and transparency, I'm not getting rid of my Bitcoin. I have, you know, publicly known existing Bitcoin. And I think Michael Saylor's right. I think that. You'll be able to, at some point, basically borrow against your Bitcoin and run a cycle like the never ending debt cycle with it (laughs) and create a retirement income stream out of it until you die. And you'll die with like an 80 percent loan to value ratio. Your heirs will inherit the last 20 percent of it. You'll never spend a dime of it your entire life. Your balance will never go down and you'll never pay any tax on it because it's debt. That'll be one way. The other way would be to loan loan it. You'll pay tax on the interest against the loan, but your underlying value never goes down. You never pay any tax on it. And this is, I think, I've had a lot of people not understand this. And this is very empowering when you understand it. People think if I buy Bitcoin and it goes up, I have to pay tax. No. No, you don't. You could go to Coinbase today, buy $100,000 worth of Bitcoin transfer it to your non-custodial wallet, send a letter to the IRS telling them that you did it. Bitcoin, I mean, sorry, Coinbase could send a picture to the IRS of you in a Bitcoin t-shirt petting your dog (laughs) with your wallet displayed. Bitcoin could go up to that hundred thousand could become a million dollars and you owe zero tax until you spend it or trade it or or sell it back into fiat. You don't owe any money on it because it went up. And I've actually had people argue with me with that. And I'm like, where do you get your bullshit from? <laughs> like, it works exactly. That's how stocks work. If you buy a stock and it goes up in value, you don't pay tax on it. If it pays a dividend, mm-hmm. the dividend is taxable. The equity is not taxable until realized. And, like, I think, like, part of empowerment, start learning tax policy, man. Start learning economic policy. Um yeah. I can't think of the name of the company now, but there's a uh, – it was a company. I still get it. It's like a, an email every day you get, financial term. Uh, and I just can't remember the website that does it now, but they just send you a financial term every financial day. to
2: find. What's that? Literacy? I can't remember the word. Financial
0: you know. literacy is what I'm talking about, but it's
2: – yeah.
0: Ah. I'll, I'll look it up when somebody else is talking. Somebody's
2: screaming this at, in their car at yeah. the podcast. Or oh, so right on,
0: they're probably on YouTube right now going, Steep. no, they aren't.
2: Nobody on YouTube's helping us out, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: Come on, guys. I've been recommending
0: it forever. Just knowing things like, what is liquidity? What does that mean? What is a short? What is a put? What is a call? You know, what is an equity base? What is the first round of funding? Like the people that you're, you're dealing with here that are controlling the world. This is their vocabulary. Yeah. And and you need to know their vocabulary so you understand what's going on and you can use it for yourself. I I say this a lot. I'll say it again today. I'm sure I'll say it tomorrow. 95% of the tax code is how you get out of doing what the other 5% says you have to do. Yeah. And so you go ahead and raise taxes. I don't care. They raise taxes. My taxes go down because I just figure out other ways to creatively spend or dispose of my money.
1: Yeah. Everyone was all up in arms about Donald Trump paying like three hundred ninety five dollars in taxes. And they're like freaking out. I was like, I want to reach that level like that's where I want to be.
0: Remember the meme, John, the the Star Wars meme? And it was like Obi-Wan's telling Anakin like Donald Trump paid no taxes. And Anakin's like, can this power be learned?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Yeah, it's it's that's definitely a form of empowerment. Rather than being victim of the IRS code, you figure out ways to leverage it and make it work for you. And with wealth in general, I think a great book for people to start, it's a classic, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the thesis essentially mm-hmm. is poor dad works for his money. Rich dad has his money work from, for him. And so you try to move as much stuff out of the earned income by exchanging your time for dollars, move it into earning passive income as returns on your investment. And that's really what it's all about. And then the idea, like there's a, a definition of uh, financial freedom when you can live your life, a good life with the high standard of living on your passive income entirely. That's when you have the good, the good financial freedom life. And it's attainable. And back to the victim stuff, I saw somebody post the other day. It was like, if you're still unemployed, you just don't want to work, right? Because like the COVID thing <laughs> knocked a bunch of people out. And like rightfully so, people that weren't entrepreneurs where you can shift and pivot, they were like, oh shit, I'm screwed. But enough time has gone by and there's enough opportunity to shift into a different industry where people are just content to suck off the government's teat really with these unemployment and there's no reason. Who was it? I think it was Bill Gates. Right. I know he's enemy number one, but he was like, if you were born poor, it's not your fault. If you're still poor, it is your fault. Right. I mean, we live in the wealthiest freaking country in the entire world in the history of existence. There's so much money going around and opportunity. Um, people just need to go solve problems for people and add value to people's lives and you can become abundant and more free.
2: Jennifer, so anyway, YouTube quick, says Investopedia. Does it is. I know? was going
0: to just say that's that. That's a popular yeah. website. Thanks, too. Jennifer. It, Investopedia term of the day. I definitely recommend you subscribe to it. I subscribe to it. 99% of the time, I'm like, I learned that shit 15 years ago. And every once in a while, I'm like, huh. The other thing that's interesting is it seems to follow news cycles. So all of a sudden, like for years, I was on it. And then all of a sudden, stuff started coming through. And instead of being like liquidity, it would be like blockchain right? Delegated proof of stake was a term I saw recently. Wow. All of a sudden, this mainstream financial website is spouting out all kinds of things about blockchain and cryptocurrency.
1: There's a whole CNBC crypto now. CNBC crypto, just all dedicated to crypto. Oh,
2: interesting.
0: (laughs) Doesn't this make you think of the internet really? Like, yeah. Remember like good morning America back in the early nineties, they're like, what is internet? What's mm-hmm. that ad sign? Do you need the www? Mm-hmm. And they were asking com. each other and they all sounded like they were like monkeys trying to find their ass. And yeah. then like all of them, of course are like, well, of course the internet's wonderful. We all use the internet. And I think that's what crypto's doing right now. Like yep. they crapped on it. They tried to kill it. They made it sound like it was, you know, all for drug users. But here's what I think's coming next, right? Well, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's okay. Elon Musk has Bitcoin. You know, like all these corporations have Bitcoin. No, no, no. The drug users are using the privacy coins now.
2: That's, yeah, that's, that's they're where They're going to shift
0: the attack. But I also kind of look at it, well, you tried that shit with regular crypto and it didn't work. So why would I expect that your inept attempt is going to work now? Yeah. Um, I would say be careful. They are going to regulate on and off ramps. So mm-hmm. you need plausible. Like you got to think about this like you're let's say you had a high cash business. And you were taking, you know, $1,000 a week in $20 bills and storing it in a lockbox. Like at some point you have so much cash that you need to think about how you explain where it came from. And you need to, you need to spend it either in small amounts or whatever. You can't just go out and start buying Lamborghinis and shit without somebody showing up and going, hey, where did this all come from? So if you're a baller, be careful is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to – there's just so much value in building community and building agoras and counter-economies because those folks that have accumulated wealth and it's off-book, it's black and gray, then they can go buy a car from their buddy that runs the dealership or buy land from the guy that has the 100 acres and we can buy goods and services from one another and just keep it in the family.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think like I'm I'm excited to see where things are going to go. I think we are turning a corner on this. I think that I actually said to my wife, totally different scenario, but some of the stupid shit that they're doing out of DC. I'm like, keep going, please. And she's like, what? I'm like, well, we have, we have states that are, you know, getting closer and closer. If not secession, at least like going, we've had enough and throwing some state sovereignty up that ass. And like, I'm like, Go ahead and step on these people enough, the ones that are half awake, and please wake them up. Cause I don't feel like our message can wake that half awake person. We wake up the three quarter awake, like the guy that was gonna wake up anyway. We maybe just like you know when you're in that dream state and you're waking up and you don't want to because the dream's actually good, and then you're like, I gotta wake up. We're like the guy that walks in and goes, Hey, dude, wake up call. Like yeah. that's the only person we can wake up. That guy that's in REM sleep. There is, no, there is no talking to them. There's nothing we can do. But I think it's the, the boot on the face that can wake up the three-quarter awake person. I think there's a lot no. more of them maybe than I even give credit for because I've, I've become pretty pessimistic on people.
2: Yeah, and if we ridicule people who are there, they go back yeah. to sleep. And that's, yeah, that's they're like, what screw our this. movement this has a problem with. That guy's with. a jerk. <laughs> Stop being ass. Start being a hand up.
1: I think COVID – I think they pushed it too far for a lot of people. It's just such a paradox because so many people just went so deep into, like, worshipping Fauci. I saw a woman that had a mask outside at this farm that's attached to the tiny home community we live in. She's wearing a mask, and it has, it has like, sequins, and it's Dr. Fauci on the mask. Like, wow. It made me think, like, does she? And, of course, she had some vote for, like, a local Democrat candidate on her short. Oh, of course. Sure. It's like they have a shrine to Fauci. So some people went total extreme, just like wearing the mask when they're riding their bike, for example. And then some people like us went total extreme and just totally revolted against it, ignored it and spoke out against it. But there's a lot of people in the middle that were like this, the lockdown, I lost my job. I like had to tap. I spent all my savings. I lost the mortgage on my house. Like people are pissed off. And I think they took it too far. And this, the, for so. every for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I think we're experiencing that.
2: But I it's think not happening. Backpedaling, though. I yep. I just read today Slowly. Pfizer has a cure, a pill you can take that if you start getting symptoms stops it moving forward. That they're expecting <laughs> to be FDA approved sometime in January. Hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> <laughs> <2020. laughs> <laughs> <Which laughs> then makes it so they can't force the vaccine on. Nicole, you. Nicole,
0: you know what that probably is. I do. Right. We From had your a workshop, guy,
2: I know exactly what that is.
0: We had a guy at our workshop that's an insider for me in the pharmaceutical industry. He works at the factory where they make the raw materials. So, like, when you hear, you know, Johnson & Johnson makes this pill, no, they don't, right? Somebody else actually makes it, and then Johnson & Johnson stamps J&J on it. So he he works for one of the few suppliers of hydroxychloroquine in the world. And somebody, somewhere, unknown, bought all the raw materials for all the hydroquin for the next five years. And I'm going to say, this is not one of these guys that, like, pops up time to time and seems like this guy gave me credible information to put me. I was like, one of my few stories I broke ahead of all the news media, every single thing that happened with HCQ as that came out. So he's proven. And it's all been bought up. And I was like, when he told me that, I'm like, you know what they're going to do? They're going to take hydroxychloroquine that they said didn't work. They are going to put zinc in the hydroxychloroquine, and they're going to have a process by which that zinc goes into the hydroxychloroquine. They're going to patent. You can't patent zinc, and you can't patent the hydroxychloroquine, but you can patent the process by which the two go together. And he goes, the guy, like his – remember, McCall, his eyes yeah, like, it went there. like that wide? And he goes, they're going to use chelated zinc. like, And I'm like <laughs> – and I'm like, when it comes out, I am literally going to have to, like, drink a fuck, a fucking half bottle of bourbon to not have my blood pressure go up to here and have my eyes blow out of my face and have a coronary. Because I know these bastards are going to do it. And if what you just told me, man, I, I'm not going to bet a Bitcoin on it yet, but I feel like that's exactly what it's going to be then. You bastards. Holy shit. Oh, I hate being right sometimes, man. Oh. Bet some pirate. Bet a pirate an R. C R. That'll R just. That's what keeps me from having a coronary right now. Looking at my.
2: my right <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. When you buy something for eight cents and it goes to eight bucks, it feels pretty
1: good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty damn sweet. I had a stash, but I so early on back when it was thirty cents or so. I looked into it. You started talking about it. I knew that your audience was into it, and I was like, "Hey, I'm, I'll accept uh, R for for kratom, so I can give some folks something to use their R for. I can start snacking some." But I foolishly traded a bunch of it for Cardano. I had, like traded into Bitcoin Cash, went to Cardano. I held some, obviously, but yeah, uh, that was one of those.
2: Are you regretting that, John? There's a lot of regrets.
1: There's a lot, there are a lot of cryptocurrencies flowed through these hands in my phone and computer back when cryptocurrency feel like was like 200 bucks. It's like
2: house money though, right? Like, yeah. But you kept kind of exceeded the initial thing, then it's house money. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's all about mindset too, because you got in cryptocurrency, you got to move away from the shoulda, coulda, if only no. this, that. And like the real solution is
0: I'm just going to make more money so I can stack more crypto.
2: Yeah. Right? So yeah, I find like sit
0: here. I'm not going to sit here with as a guy that has a $50,000 shotgun upstairs and mock you for trading your R
2: because <laughs> yeah. I
0: bought, well, it's, I guess it's almost $60,000. Now I bought a, uh, it's a really beautiful shotgun. It's worth probably $2,000 okay. and I got it for one Bitcoin when Bitcoin was right at 600 bucks. Yeah. It's a Belgian made Browning A5. It's freaking gorgeous. I was really happy with the trade, but. You know, I wouldn't pay a Bitcoin for it today. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes I go back and look at my trading history and I go, God, you stupid ass. You could own Jackistan by now. And you can't think that way. Like, you know, when you're in retirement and you sell stock and then you use that stock to pay your expenses that year and five years later, those stocks have tripled. You don't go back and say, well, my rent or my, you know, whatever, my my vacation cruise cost me five times what it did. You there's, we have living expenses. You can't save all your money. Yeah. But the, the trick you know, is what, just to make more money.
2: Well, it's, Empowerment. Between, it's when you sell a house and you move and you make good money on your house. Yeah. And then five years later, it's worth twice or three look times. Look it up on real My Portland, Oregon house, <laughs> astoundingly, is whatever. Yeah. Mean, I made what I needed to make and it got me to the next step here where I'm building my life. So,
0: yeah, that's valid. I
2: just You can always
1: get
0: more money.
2: And I, looked up and
0: I looked up Dorothy and I's first house. We paid eighty four two fifty for it. Wow! And it's like right now, it's worth like three hundred yeah. nice. and fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. And you are right. I don't sit there and go, "Damn, I should have kept that house." <laughs> like, no, I, I don't think that way. Like, that's that's, eh. yeah, you know, it's it's not worth worrying about. That's we we used it as money. John would probably be worth more than all of us put together if he kept all the Bitcoin that went through yeah. his hands.
1: Yeah, I'd be on Roger Ver level. I, I bought two Bitcoin, two Bitcoin, uh, worth of Ethereum in the Ethereum crowd sale when one Ethereum cost 30 cents. Now it's $2,600. And then yeah. we sold and we're like, Oh my God. Wow. We made like 10,000 bucks. This is great. It was like 13,000. Wow. This is incredible. And then sure enough, but it's, a, I, I, I wrote this article where I realized like I didn't have a holding problem, a hold on for dear life problem. I had an income problem. Sure. And like I was, I would receive crypto as payment, and we would have to spend it to feed our kids and to pay rent and all that stuff. And so it's finally you get to a point where you're like, okay, wow, I can save something. This is great. Maybe I'll save crypto. It's just all about abundance and empowerment and not beating yourself up. Because if you stay in that space, man, I made that bad decision. Oh, I could have been totally rich. I sold Bitcoin when it was 10K thinking I made it grow. Oh, man. And then yeah. you're in that scarcity space. But if you're like, yeah. I, I did good on that, or at least I learned from that, right? I got a great tip. Um, I just did a video with several tips. One of them was this. If you are doing the game where you're accumulating this altcoin or you're speculating with altcoins and then they go up five, 10%, 20%, maybe two X, five X. Don't sell the whole bag. Hold on to a little portion of the bag as your hold on for dear life fund, because you can make a five, 10%, 20% gain, even a hundred percent gain. And then you, Oh, wow, this is great. And then you hold on to maybe 20% of what you went in with, or maybe you hold on to your initial investment. If it does a 10 X, a hundred X, and then just wait for maybe a year, two years, three years, right? Because that sucker could go up exponentially. That's something I wish I had done back in the day. Now I know to do that, and I hope to teach people to do that too, because that's how you could still hold on to those winners. Then you get the best of both worlds. I do the reverse
2: of that, John. I pull out my initial. Mm-hmm. So let's say I had put $10 in on R, yeah. and that $10 became $2,000. I'll take $10 back out. $10 out. <laughs> I'm good, right? Like, yeah. And then it's and then it's what I call house money at that point. Or you can take a little bit more out if you have a reason for it, but I'm right with you. Like, leave some in. Yeah.
1: A cool eureka for a lot of people because a lot of the Bitcoin retractors are like, you aren't going to make any money unless you convert back to the dollar. And, oh, you should have sold when it was this high and so on and so forth. But the real paradigm shift is like, everything's going to be valued in Bitcoin potentially someday, It's like Bitcoin isn't the means to an end of more dollars. Bitcoin is the means to an end of more crypto, right? Or Mm -hmm. if you have a life plan, using the crypto as a means to an end of paying off the mortgage, for example, or putting the kids through college, or maybe taking that dream vacation that you always wanted to. Because at the end of the day, it is ones and zeros. I had a revelation too, because I would always just say that at the end of the day, it's ones and zeros. But if you're in a position where you can actually accumulate wealth, then just the mere act of holding on to the cryptocurrency is valuable because it gives you a place to put that wealth that isn't being robbed from and leveraged Correct. to fight wars and stuff. Because if some I people mean, accumulate capital and wealth more than they need to spend or you know they don't, they don't need to use it for something, it's a great vehicle to have your money and your wealth in.
0: As much as I love privacy coins, like I said, I'm not getting rid of my Bitcoin. To me, Bitcoin is the hardest money on the planet. It, no one can screw with it. No one can take it. Like, they can say, we know you have it. Do I? You know, I lost my private key. Like, I mean, you know, you can't and you can't devalue it. And what's happening right now, you want to talk about empowerment. So Strike has a major initiative going on down in El Salvador. They are basically like a cash app that uses the Bitcoin network. It might use Bitcoin, or it might use dollars, or it might use euros. It's using the Bitcoin network for settlement. But because of that, once you link your bank account to it, you can buy Bitcoin, you can hold Bitcoin, you can receive Bitcoin. Now this is El Salvador. They have street vendors in El Salvador taking, spending, and using Bitcoin, and they have these like guys that are like, "I'm finally saving money." And mm-hmm. I think this is the real empowerment of having something that's a hard money that you. And people are like, "It has nothing backing it." I'm not even going to get into it. You don't just please do your own research and learn before you write it off that way. It has like the most secure network on the planet backing it with giga gigawatts of electricity behind it and energy to do that. And because it's hard money, people start to realize, OK, so it's, it's going to be worth more in the future. They don't want to spend it. And people make like that's a problem. But for a lot of people, once they get into crypto, it's the especially young people, the first time in their life, they actually start saving money. The first time in their life they get money in their hands and they go, I'm not going out with my friends with this. (laughs) I'm not buying whiskey shots for everybody with this. Mm. At least some of it has to go get put away, right? We all know the 10% rule, and and the reality of the 10% rule is only 10% of people start doing it before they're 40, (laughs) right? Like 10%, you put 10% of your income away, but only 10% of people do it. Right. And if they do it, they do it in the man's system in like a 401k or something. Yeah. And then sooner or later, they lose a job and they pull it all out. They pay all the penalties. Taxman tax man gets their money and then they blow it. People get their hands on crypto and they start thinking differently about money. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I heard on I don't know whose podcast it was. It might have been what Bitcoin did, the British dude. But he was talking about how maybe it was Michael Saylor talking about it, how when you get into really hard money, like money that can't be changed, it goes up in value you start building things differently. You don't build things for tomorrow or the next day or the next week or the next quarter. You don't start building a company or infrastructure so you can flip it. You start building multi-generational. When money gets harder, you build longer term infrastructure. And if you think about like all of the amazing architecture, all of the real like like the, 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 the marvels of the world from ancient times, they were all built during, dec- you know, during eras of hard money, like the Roman aqueducts and all that. Like that was when gold was firmly in place, mm. and that long hard money made that investment worth doing. And as soon as they went off of it, as soon as they started throwing around bronze coins stamped with Caesar, everything went to shit. Because everybody mm. has to start thinking, how do I get this money out of my hand right now? Talk about financial literacy. Cost of capital, real cost of capital is about fifteen percent. So when you have a thousand bucks in the bank, you feel good about it. When Tesla's sitting there looking at ten billion dollars in the bank, you know what they're thinking? Okay, it's gonna cost me one point five billion dollars this year to hold on to that cash. Maybe we should put a billion dollars in Bitcoin. That's exactly how that calculus happens. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard to take in for a lot of people. The person that's like, but I just got my paycheck and it's already spent And I'm going to have 20 extra bucks at the end of this week. And that's all I've got if I don't do anything fun. But if you're going to get from there to the next level, you have to change the way you think about money. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work like then you have money, then the way you change you think, change the way you think. Right. You know, your guy you always talk about. Grant Cardone. Yeah, Cardone. Right. Like, you you know that from that type of thinking, too. You have to change this before you change the wallet. And I think crypto does that for people in a weird Mm. way. You know, yeah. people my are wife, experiencing, good. But my wife started taking Litecoin for duck eggs <laughs> and she ended up with like a couple hundred bucks worth of Litecoin and she had like $195 worth of Litecoin. And like we had that recent run up yeah. and she didn't get any more Litecoin. And she goes in there, she goes, holy shit, I have like $300 worth of Litecoin. <laughs> yeah. And the first words out of her mouth after she said that was, I want more. Yeah. And I'm like, that's. That's what it does it makes you instead of thinking about how I can spend it how can I acquire it mm-hmm. and that's how you build wealth I mean if you read richest man in babylon and everybody fucking should and it's Classics. free as an audio on YouTube Yeah do that do the YouTube Good lord it is the same thing because that whole book was written on the concept of money being gold don't worry about gold worry about it being hard whether worry about it not being devalued like the strike thing when the guy was talking about El Salvador he was talking about how like all the stimulus checks went out and they didn't get any money down there. And my first initial response to that was, I don't give a shit. You're El Salvador. Why, should- Why do I care that El Salvador didn't get any money? Well, then he pointed out because they use the US dollar. Yeah. So we're devaluing the dollar, which is the national currency of El Salvador. But at least when we get our dollars devalued, they throw us some crumbs, right? Like, so they're getting their dollars devalued and they don't get any crumbs. Well, that's a case for Bitcoin. And that's why you have street vendors selling empanadas in El Salvador for Bitcoin
2: But and if <laughs> you with zero fees. The El Salvador model, right, when you travel there with your U.S. dollars stuffed in your shoe. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you're keeping them safe. When you travel there with your Bitcoin
0: yeah. in
2: your head, the only way they're going to get that from you is torture, I guess. I don't even know. And that's that becomes a more secure way to interact. So it, it, it makes it easier for the foreigner traveling in El Salvador to get that empanada yeah. without losing their breath. safe.
0: Yeah. yeah. Nobody's going to steal it. You right. Because I've been to central, America. I haven't been to El Salvador, but I've been to central America. And there, there's yeah. some places you don't want to go. I, I was in central America with a gun on my back and I still didn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So most people who go to central America are not going to be able to walk around with a concealed handgun. Like I could, because of what I was doing, And I was thinking, man, like, being here unarmed. Yeah, and they were cool people. Like, most of the people were fine. But, like, there's also, like, you know, if you have blonde hair and blue eyes, you kind of stick out, you know. Maybe John could blend in or some shit. But I'm not blending in down there, especially when I was 22 years old. Like, you're like, whant, American, whant, American. And if I was down there today, I'd much rather be carrying around crypto in some sort of electronic format because you can even dummy that. Like you can have two wallets mm-hmm. and somebody does put a knife. He goes, send me all your crypto. There you go. You got 50 bucks. Yeah. That's all you got. It's all I got. Yeah. It'll be worth 500 someday, <laughs> thief.
2: Don't worry.
1: <laughs> I think it's it's really cool that there's this massive transfer of wealth taking place away from the elite class and the traditional Banking class, Wall Street class, towards all these like young punk visionaries. And even like Roger Ver is a perfect example, right? I don't know why the guy's so polarizing. He's like pure, consistent, voluntarist message. And he applied that message to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. He was just like, I want to support what I think is the best money. And because of these scaling problems with Bitcoin, that's not the best money anymore. Bitcoin Cash is, but whatever. But he's a cool example. Like he became independently wealthy selling like computer parts. And then he was selling like quarter stick of dynamite that was illegal by the FT ATF. And because he ran for LP and gave this speech slamming the ATF and their role in Waco, uh, they went and investigated him and they locked him up. Right. And after that, he's like, screw it. I'm out of here. I'm renouncing my citizenship. But he started getting involved in cryptocurrency early. And that dude became a crypto millionaire when Bitcoin was like 10 bucks. Or a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. And now imagine how many times over when it's 55,000, which is sweet. And he's so generous. Like he supported the D3 tech summit and sponsored yeah. with Bitcoin.com. The guy's so generous. But a person like that, here we have radical voluntarist people that are coming into mass amounts of wealth and they're using it in order to reshape society. It's just like what takes place. With these tax-exempt foundations, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they come into mass wealth, and then they use it to reshape civilization and society and history towards more control and more surveillance, right? Well, we have a counter to that thanks to cryptocurrency in large part where all these people are now using it to reshape this and that. There's this dude that trades, and he's real public about it. This guy, Nathan, on Facebook I'm friends with, and he was like, I just – after he just posted like a month ago, I lost it all. And then a week later, he's like, I got it all back. <laughs> and then he just posted, well, I just set aside two years worth of living expenses. Now I can basically do what I want. I think I'll get back into coding. And it's like, wow. And all he does is trade and day trade it's it's, and yeah. stuff. There's a lot of opportunity. And there's still opportunity for people think they missed the boat because the price of Bitcoin. Not only is Bitcoin going to continue to go up. Very likely will break 100,000 within a calendar year from now. Very likely will punch through that to 200, 400, 500 as more and more big money with treasuries in the mm-hmm. hundreds of millions. Big mm-hmm. corporations are like, wow, you're, you're being debased. I heard that same 15% inflation yes. from Michael Saylor and he said it's yes. like the M2 money supply that's inflating at that rate. And yes. they don't even put the records of the M2 money supply anymore. They're like, this yes. is getting too much. We're They've been the hiding
0: the M3 for like 15 years. Now they're hiding M2. It's straight
1: thievery. It's an inflation tax, a hidden tax. This is only going to continue. And if it's not Bitcoin, it's still worth getting in Bitcoin. It's the pirate. Look what we just saw with pirate chain. And that was an opportunity. Spearco was blasting on it. Interestingly enough, I had some haters. They're Bitcoin maximalists. There's this Mm -hmm. whole thing in cryptocurrency, people that are like so heavy duty Bitcoin. And it's not just Bitcoin. It was like, well, Bitcoin, it seems like we did the segregated witness and the lightning network. Therefore, that's the best thing ever. And anything else is trash. Yeah. And after we finished D3, it was the evening after we finished. I'm like fucking tired. I just hosted this huge thing for five hours straight. And somebody's like. Well, I noticed that they didn't talk about Lightning Network. That was either (laughs) ignorance or they were selfish. All I heard was a bunch of people pimping their project, Pirate Chain. Everyone's trying to get new investors in so they can make money. And I was like, you realize every single person that talked about Pirate Chain, Spirco... And Mike Swatek were talking about it when it was eighteen cents unknown, ranked yeah. like two hundred yeah. in the market cap. They it wasn't because it Eight went up in value. it cents three
0: hundred ninety in market cap. Yeah. When I started talking about it, and she didn't go screw because I am I have no control over Pirate, and I've yeah. made my money when Pirate went parabolic. I knew it was going to go way up, but I wasn't sure. I took a conservative approach, and I have a lot. I'm going to say how much because I'm not stupid, but I took <laughs> twenty percent of my holdings. I put them in when it started really going up for sale at twelve dollars and fifty cents. And as soon as it triggered, I put in a buy order at uh, nine dollars and fifty cents. Nice. So I, I don't give a shit what it does. It can go to four bucks. I, I don't care because I'm playing that long because I understand the intrinsic underlying value of it. Yeah. I, I I have as you know, I, I would say I have as much in Bitcoin as Pirate, but I, I don't now because it worked out so well. Um, but it was, I had a a fraction of my money in pirate. It just seemed like a good play. Mm -hmm. My point in saying, Hey, this is a thing you should look into is I think it's good to have money that I can spend and give to Nicole and nobody knows about it. Right. And and lightning network is in danger right now. I can't remember the organization, but it's like, it's like the financial version of uh, Interpol, right? It's like this, this, this giant multinational conglomerate that comes out with financial policies. And it they're what they, you know, bit to be fair to Bitcoin and Lightning Network, they started working with um and they're doing it with Litecoin, but you would be able to do with Bitcoin then too, the Mimble Wimble protocol, which actually would create a lot of obfuscation, coin mixing, etc. for Bitcoin. So Bitcoin could be somewhat private. The problem is this new guidance would then take somebody that's operating as a lightning node and turn them into a financial service provider mm. and put them under regulation well good luck doing that with a a peer to peer technology like like uh r that is private by default there is no financial service provider there is no lightning node there's just it's freaking it's basically really really advanced nabster for money that's what it is you can't <laughs> even the, the new sec commissioner said yeah, you really can't ban something that's peer-to-peer. Right? Like so you got the SEC commissioner coming out and going, you can't ban something that's peer-to-peer. So if I built something that's peer-to-peer in private, piss off. And so I don't know. People like that, they they don't know what the hell they're talking about, honestly. Yeah. I just left the
1: group. It was a group that this person created, and I knew that they were pretty adamant about I think we just lost Nicole. Pretty adamant about out. Whoops. About Lightning Network. I just left the group because I was like, not only was it just BS on the surface, but I was just kind of offended. Like, wow, I just put so much time and energy and my team into pulling off this event. And all these speakers just came and donated their time. And nobody's making money here. And that's how you're going to respond because we didn't pimp your pet project. Like, give me a freaking break. It's not even wasn't even about that. That so seems
0: seems like everything, John. Just so you know, and so our audience knows, what happened to Cole? Power went out. Oh boy! I got a text from her. right? That was that big ding, and uh, so the power went out, and so she's in the darkness and cannot connect. <laughs> so we'll have to finish without her.
2: Right I think
0: on. we're close anyway, though, aren't we? I mean, yeah, yeah. I got some plans, so we should wrap up right at four thirty. We
1: got nine minutes. Let's hit. If anybody's got any questions or comments in the audience, we'll be sure to cover that.
0: Are you uh, on YouTube? Sure. Can you see it?
1: Yeah, I can see. I'm not. Okay, cool. You can ask in all caps, there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I think the the, the video or this podcast kind of turned into like empowerment through cryptocurrency. It did. Because we can bang on cryptocurrency all day, but it has that theme of like, there's you can you can have the mindset, you can you can start engaging in wealth, and there's so many folks that are struggling. I hate to see them struggling. And there's people like in the, in some of our, my audiences, some of our audiences that maybe not as much your audience, but in some of the circles that I roll with. And I could tell that they don't have a good relationship with money and they're not like yes. socialists, but they're like definitely not capitalists. And besides capitalism, they, they don't see it as a value to accumulate wealth or to make more money than you have to use. And I recognize that it's like, you know, the big thing that having money does is it gives you choices. Mm -hmm. So here we have people that are simultaneously ripping on 5G technology, taking over the city and they know about the smart cities and control grids really going to be ushered in, in these big cities like Austin, Texas, for example, or Dallas. And then they're also hating on wealth or at least talking, saying money is a problem. If you say money is a problem, then money's not going to come to you. It's going to turn around and run the other way. And so they want to get out of the city, but they don't have, everyone has the dream of doing an eco village or intentional community or buying a couple acres on the outside of town, but it takes money and capital to do that. So you really got to reframe your relationship with money and money, just like cryptocurrency and a gun can be used for great harm, right? But it can also be used to do some really cool stuff for yourself and for
0: others. Um, I'm trying to make sure I'm pulling this up to see if I have it here. So I don't misquote Michael Saylor. And, I know I mentioned him a lot. I don't think like Michael Saylor is like the god of crypto or anything, but um he said something to the effect I don't I don't have it where I thought I did, um, that the road to serfdom is working exponentially harder for a currency growing exponentially weaker. And I would challenge some of those people out there that still have all their assets in fiat currency. Maybe they even have a little bit of money and they think they're doing okay because they have a financial liar. That's what I call financial advisors generally uh, that says, you know, you're well diversified. Well, you're well diversified because you have small cap, mid cap growth and in income and bond funds. No, you have no diversification. Yeah. You have zero diversification. You have a hundred percent of your money in equities denominated in dollars. That is not diversity. And maybe your problem is not that you haven't been working hard enough, but all your life you've been working for money, and the little bit you're able to save, it's akin to, you know, if you you think the safest way to keep your money is in cash, in a shoebox hidden under your bed. Well, imagine you do that, but every year somebody comes in and takes 15% of your money out of the shoebox. Yeah. And literally the more money you get in the shoebox, the more money they take every year. That's what inflation is. And having currencies that are not subject to inflation, they're actually deflationary, mm-hmm. is a game changer. Why do you think Tesla invested in Bitcoin? And people are shitting on them now because they sold like 20% of their Bitcoin. 10%. Tesla did exactly the number. I thought it was cool because I'm like, that's exactly how much R.I. sold. Like, <laughs> they locked their profit in. Now, he said it, that they
1: wanted to, to prove that there's liquidity enough there out liquidity, there to make it yeah, viable. Exactly.
0: That was just a nice way of saying we locked our profit. <laughs> so basically, now they can say, you know what? We're in the money, right? We're already back into that equity. We're good. And now we can hold this long term. And if our shareholders give a shit, we can tell them shut up. That, that's, that's what that is. The other side is they're probably going to take at least that much money in selling cyber trucks for Bitcoin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, I mean, out of And They're going to hold it. If I was going to buy a Cybertruck and I'm not cuz I don't buy the first generation of freaking any technology, right? Except Gen for Bitcoin. You will look at it, right? Like but if I was going to buy one, just on a point of pride, if I had the cash, I would go buy freaking Bitcoin and I would spend Bitcoin just as a point of making a And there are people out there that are going to do that. There's people that are going to buy Cybertrucks and Tesla 3s and shit like that for Bitcoin just because they can. Right? Like they're going to like I'm not saying somebody's going to be like, "Oh, I'll just go buy a Tesla because, you know, they sell for Bitcoin." I'm saying somebody's going to be like I want to buy a car. I need to buy a car. Tesla takes Bitcoin. I'm buying a Tesla. Like that shit's going to happen. They're going to get that Bitcoin back in sales.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And so they, they really haven't, they haven't reduced their position by quantity at all. Anyway, they're up like a hundred percent. They sold 20. Yeah. Like people that criticize that that's back to, you need to get on the investopedia, like financial literacy email of the day, because that's smart, and I saw that in like the R um, Telegram chat. People are like cussing out and being like juvenile delinquents about people selling, like you know they're 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 being pushed out as weak hands or whatever. I'm like, it's good because you know you got newbies coming in just because of 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 R. But like, okay, you don't understand money. Like, some of you folks who have like 300 bucks worth of this shit and you're talking crap about somebody that just just made a million and a half dollars in three weeks. And you're talking shit about them. They're not weak hands. They're smart. They understand money and you don't.
1: Yeah. And they still have more. And they
0: still have more. Yeah. They didn't sell it all. No. Now, some of these guys have been mining that shit since it started getting mined and they're sitting on, you know, they're sitting on 200,000 or 300,000 R and they're like, shit, it went to nine bucks or it went to 12 bucks or like The high was like 16. And they're like, so I can sell one quarter of my R Bank 1.6 million and keep the other 75 percent. Of course, they did because they're not stupid. That's why. I mean, yeah, there's this beautiful
1: um force multiplier that creates exponential value when these coins like R was obscure. You started promoting it, talking about it when it was 18 cents, 30 cents, eight, eight cents, eight cents. <laughs> I got on. And was like, these wallets suck, right? Yes, they did. Now it's a huge market cap of $2 yeah. billion. And so now yeah. there's money to invest back yeah. into the ecosystem, into the wallets, into the marketing, into paying developers and stuff. And that's only going to snowball back. There she, she is. Returned. We have people in the, uh, in the audience already offering to help get you off grid there, Nicole. Just,
0: <laughs> just real quick on the wallets, like the new wallets are awesome. The new light wallet and the new. Node wallet are both awesome. Um, if you're upgrading from one to the other, it might be kind of cumbersome, but if you're doing a fresh install, what I ended up doing, I installed the new light wallet on a new machine and sent all my R to myself in small amounts to make sure nothing went. Um, Mark. but yeah, I mean, the new light wallet works like the first time you start it, it's frustrating because you think it's a full node wallet. It takes forever to sync. Once it does, it's, it's like any other wallet now. So they, they'd nice. already fixed that. They're going to change a few things, and like I said, if they get liquidity in the exchanges, then it's it's game on. It's, it's on. Well,
2: they're i they're
0: getting an add to Changely. I think that's a big exchange. That's they're already on Changely. Of course, Changely. If you want to do the real shit on Changely and do KYC because you want to get into the real high volume trading on Changely, they, it's not open to U.S. citizens. That's that's the negative about Changely. Bastards. Whoops. Yeah. Um do,
1: the the full node wallet do you still have to do that wonky stuff where you got to move over the file to a directory and stuff or did they repair that?
0: The new one is great if it's a fresh install. That is the that is the thing like the one thing they didn't do is put in like a really good way to like uninstall the old shit. So like I had to like on my Mac I had to hunt down all the individual files and destroy them mm-hmm. and then I was able to do a fresh install with it. Um and then the seed phrase only imported the primary address from the old one. So then I went in and nuked it again, did a complete fresh install, started it up as a new wallet and sent from one machine to the other, then nuked it on the other machine and reinstalled it on there and then synced it back. It was, it, it, it was something that if you're new to crypto, you would be really stressed about like really and, stressed yeah. about and
2: this is why you only play with small amounts when you're moving it around at first to make sure you understand what's going on which jack says all the time mm-hmm. yeah i watched lose twenty thousand dollars in bitcoin because they didn't know what they were doing wow. twenty thousand dollars u.s to bitcoin needed to get it back fucked up and gone
1: Mm-mm. somebody's asking is r still a good buy I think so. I mean, I guess it hit all time high at 1650. Now it's like 950. I did a a video. I invite people to check out on my YouTube channel. It was four, five different cryptocurrency tips. One of them, it was like a sub tip was that send a small amount first. It's hard to do with Bitcoin because of the damn transactions, but you do a little test fee. But I, I actually got the math wrong and somebody in the crypto geese group called me on it. Thankfully, because I was like live streaming, calculating what the market cap could be if because there's this great technique when you're speculating on on lower market cap coins and you're like, okay, could I double this? Could I 10X? Could this 100X? And the technique is to do a thought experiment. If, if R went to $20 or $100 or the price of Zcash, for example, a comparative coin, then what would the market cap be? right? Yeah. And if the market cap ends up being like two trillion or greater than Bitcoin, then that's highly unlikely for that to happen anytime soon. Of course, the whole cryptocurrency ecosystem. And so I was doing the math. I did the math wrong and I yeah. got a really high number and somebody corrected me. and I was like, thank you. I went back and edited that part out of some of the videos too. <laughs> and on the ones I could, and I put disclaimer, I got the math wrong, but the math was specifically talking about R. If R were to reach the price of Zcash, uh-huh. Even though Zcash has fewer coins, Zcash is capped at 21 million coins, which is good for increasing in value. Pirate Chain apparently is capped at 200 million coins. Correct. So already it would seem that it would be more difficult for that many coins to reach that same value. But it's still feasible because if R were to be $233, which was how much each Zcash coin was a couple days ago, yeah. then the overall market cap of Pirate Chain would have to be $46 billion,
0: which is totally mm-hmm. in the realm of possibilities. It's definitely possible. If you do it a different way and you say, well, what's the closest thing out there to R right now it would be Monero. And Monero has like about a six and a half billion dollar market cap. I think that's about right. And so that would put, if, if, if R is as good as Monero, if it can have as much of a use case as Monero, and I think it can, mm-hmm. then you're looking at a fair market value right now somewhere in the mid twenties.
1: Yeah. Right. That,
0: that's the other way to look at it. And I think that's, that's a much more conservative approach. So the question was, is R a good buy still right now? And I'm, I was actually looking up, well, what is it trading for before I, I go answering this with my it depends. So ours trading at 785 right now. Yeah, is it a good buy? I if you are going to hold it long term, it's totally a good buy. If you're trying to to get the best price, you're going to get in the next two weeks. I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but probably not. I think there's still more downside in it in the next few weeks. Um, there's a lot of people that got nervous. They want to sell. There's a lot of people that started realizing, oh, I could have made so much money and I didn't. There was a lot of people trying to get their R deposited to sell it in the run-up because they didn't do it in advance of the run-up because they didn't think. And they're like, holy shit, I'm rich. And so there was a lot of panic selling. There was a lot of panic buying. There was, <laughs> there was not a lot of exchanges size, either. Like, <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of, a lot of exchanges. There's not a lot of liquidity. So I, I think this is like, it, it moved too quick out of the gate. Um, could it be a $50 asset by June? Yeah. Am I going to bet my farm on it? No. Right? Like, but is it, is it a coin that we can expect to be around long term, be in the 20 to $50 range at some point, you know, in the next year or two? Sure. So is seven bucks a good buy? If you got a thing with a target of 20 to $50? Sure. Is it the best deal you're going to get? I don't know. That's, that's an honest and, answer. That's all can I can you give $500 you.
2: You could have bought the
0: shit when I said it was time. to buy it at eight cents. That's what you should have done. <laughs> I
2: waited till it was 18, Jack.
0: That's okay. That's <laughs> totally okay.
2: Season. Come on. Nice. You got text me that shit. Uh, (laughs) And I
0: I will say this. I've been talking about crypto and recommending different cryptos to look into and learn about since 2014. That's a long time. Um, It's not the beginning, but it is a long time. Um, R was the first one that I ever said, you need to buy this. You need to own this. the only time I've said that in seven years. And now I'm saying. Seal of approval. Right. So now I'm saying you need to look at it. Like when it was eight cents, I'm like, this is stupid. Like there is no reason not to do this. Like Mm. you buy a thousand shares, what for? Eight eight, uh, hundred bucks. Like come on. Like yeah. Like there's too much upside in this not not to take a shot at it. Now you got to think about it because now you know even at eight dollars, a thousand shares is eight thousand dollars. That's real money. Especially for a lot of people, that's like they spend eight grand, they don't and they don't have it. They're not paying their bills next month. So
1: yeah. I'm looking at the projects in the your little privacy consortium that you, you had uh,
2: yeah.
1: Draco on or whatever his name is, Draith, because um, there's some Sentinel. that haven't popped off yet to examine.
0: No. I want Sentinel, and you can only get it on MCX or MXC or something like that. And so I went and did it. It's no KYC, but I didn't know that it was what it was, so I did it without. I did, I had my VPN on, but I didn't have it set to, like, France or some shit. Hmm. So it recognized that I was from the U.S. And after I went through all the shit, oh, man. it said, we don't sell the U.S. customers, piss off. And I'm like, and it's the only exchange it's on right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's selling for a fractional of a cent. And it's the ticker symbol S-E-N-T. Oh, so you could you load up on them. And I'm just going to say, I would pay like a 10% premium on somebody that wanted to sell direct. I'll just
1: There you go. That's the best that way. Out. I bought and sold think- some R in the crypto geese groups and on on some of the MeWe groups.
0: Yeah, so it was an ERC-20 token, so it was on the Ethereum chain. And it was, of course, like gas fees were stupid, so I didn't buy any of it back then. And now that they switched it over to Cosmos, it's a proof of stake. And it, it's like a declining proof of stake. Like instead of a having with mining, it's a halving of the proof of stake. And I think the proof of stake rate on it right now is like 42% per annuum. And it, it goes down every like 60 days. So it's like when they first let a new coin out and you can mine the shit out of it with a laptop. Like, it's yeah. kind of like that, but for proof of stake. And I, I want to get my hands on some of it. Heck yeah. And I'm not going to go spend 10000 bucks on it, but. Is that a Monero mask or socks? Tell me it's socks.
2: socks. It's okay. Socks. This is one is the fun socks. gifts I got at my workshop. That's yes. cool. Socks.
1: Nice. You can put that on First the barter. First new game, blanket. means
2: like probably pretty happy that made it here, but yeah.
1: Hey, will you let me uh, share screen real quick, Nicole? I want no, to show a tool. Yeah, whoever the host was would have to show me. I think
0: Monero is a thousand dollar asset, by the way. Give me a a sec. There he goes. I'll
2: just make you host.
0: Do what Spearco does.
2: Have you you asked to share or
0: Uh,
1: host disabled participant screen sharing? I think you can switch it to allow others to do it. But I just wanted to demonstrate. This is something that we're going to teach in the workshop, how to recognize support and resistance levels. So you can go make an educated decision as to whether or not it's a good time to buy. So I, I assume everyone can see my screen here. Yes. Uh, Maybe you can ask in the YouTube audience. So this is a chart, a daily chart. Each one of these candlesticks represents one day's worth of price action. If the candlestick is green, it means that the price started here at the bottom and ended up here at the top. This is that huge day of gains right there, and it was running up to a lot. If the candlestick is red, it means that the price started at the top and it ended up lower. These little wicks they're called is where the price action was and wherever the actual solid candlestick is, is where that term, that period opened and closed. So this is coingecko.com. This is my favorite website to view all the different coins. I like it better than coin market cap and it has this tool called trading view. So you just go in here to pirate chain, you click on trading view, right? And then you can do one minute, 30 minute days. So we can see. There's support here. Support is where the price goes down and it kind of bounces off at the bottom. Imagine it being like a floor, okay? There's also resistance. Resistance is the ceiling. So prices have a tendency to bounce between the floor support and the ceiling resistance. This is a natural phenomenon and the traders recognize this also. So it has a self-fulfilling prophecy. So as we can see, there's a nice healthy support that's formed over the past several days right here and this is a bitcoin chart because i don't think there's a us dollar uh, us dollar tether pairing to bitcoin so you can see there's i don't know how many satoshis that is 150 1.5 million satoshis that's how you say these torms or you could say 0. 0.00015 bitcoin yeah. so when the price is somewhere around here at the bottom unless it busts through the bottom of this support which would be a bearish sign meaning r will likely correct even more unless it busts through the support somewhere around this support area could be a decent place to buy and then as you can see the price will have a tendency it may not ba- bust through this again and if it does bust through this resistance here around If it does bust through this resistance, then the chances are it's more likely that it'll continue to rise in value. So this is a great Mechanism for determining if it's a great place to buy. If you can establish clear lines, a channel of resistance and support, and your price is bouncing around the bottom of the support line, then it may be a decent time to buy. Of course, this is all like you never know what the hell is going to happen. And even though history shows us that there's a tendency for this type of price action to happen, you never know at the end of the day. So you never want to risk more than you're willing to lose. Plus, the damn thing with the cryptocurrency space is... If Bitcoin's doing good and, like, things are doing good and then Bitcoin drops because of something out of China or whatever, that mm-hmm. they shut down the electricity, it ta- oftentimes it takes the entire altcoin market with it. Yep. That happened recently to just about every single altcoin except for freaking Pirate Chain. Mm-hmm. Pirate Chain was 200%, 300%.
0: So
1: that's pretty exciting. And right now we have a good – they call it the altcoin season. Bitcoin's yes. kind of consolidating a little bit, just got out of this little bearish zone. And it's a good time to be in the alts. But this is stuff just to plug the workshop again. We're going to I'll teach you in depth how to how to learn this so you can make a more educated decision, which means that whenever you do invest in cryptocurrency, whether you're going from dollar to Bitcoin or Bitcoin to pirate chain, you'll be able to make an educated decision and you'll get the best bang for your buck.
0: I got two little tips on trading for people. If you're on an exchange and you're holding Bitcoin, and you need to send it to another exchange to buy something because the thing you want to buy is not on exchange A. You got to send it to exchange B. Make sure the other assets on the other exchange first and swap it into something like Litecoin or Algorand or something cheap to send. BCH. Send that over, transfer it into something that's tradable for what you want and then trade it over there. That will save you money because you won't be spending 10 bucks to send $100 worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin's real expensive to send right now. Um, the other side of that is learn about limit orders. So a lot of people just buy at market, especially when you're buying these really cheap coins. Because if something's at like $0.10 and you buy it at $0.08 and you're buying a 1000 bucks worth, that's 200 freaking extra coins. It matters. Mm -hmm. And if they're still in that point where it's bouncing, it's probably going to come down. And instead of sitting there, refresh, refresh, wait, you set a limit order in. When you do that, most exchanges now do have a tether board and a lot of people hate tether because it's the dollar or whatever. When you're trading, in my humble opinion, because most people still think in dollars, convert to tether and use tether as your limit buy because that way you can think and say, this is, I'm putting in a limit at eight cents or 16 cents or a dollar fifty or whatever it is. It's much easier to keep that in mind because if you're setting a limit order with Bitcoin, and Bitcoin fluctuates now. You've got both sides of the trade mm. in flux. Where if you that's the whole point of, of stable coins, stable coins today, they're talking about using them for sell, selling credit cards and shit. No, the whole point of original stable coins was so that a trader could lock a gain in mm-hmm. and then put in their next buy order, but know that they were holding stable on the order. And that makes to me everything easier. And the little TA you were doing there, John, it was all priced in Bitcoin. A lot of times, a tool, TA tools will have where you can flip between. Dollar value and Bitcoin value. And for a lot of people, especially when you're starting out, if you can flip to that dollar value on your technical analysis, it helps your brain until you learn to think in Bitcoin. I think it's great to learn to think in Bitcoin, but it takes a while.
1: Yeah, that's a challenge too, and if you can shift the thinking of accumulating more of the crypto rather than accumulating more of the dollar value. I I don't have the choice here on CoinGecko because there is a U.S. dollar tether pairing, a pairing yeah. you can trade Bitcoin for R or Bitcoin yeah. for U.S. dollar tether. There's not a straight dollar pairing, so it didn't <laughs> let me see that there. But trading with U.S. dollar tether would have the same effect. same effect. Yeah. Cool. Well, I got to get rolling. Yep. You guys, got anything to add? I think this actually ended up being a pretty damn good episode. We were saying yep. when you went on your blackout there, Nicole, that the theme ended up being like empowerment through cryptocurrency.
2: Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing just wrong all
0: kind with of pe- yeah. so What happened? Did tactical hit something with a hammer or something? Or no, did you we just have a brown we have enough?
2: the usual spring uh, weather here, and wind. it took out that tower right up over there, which reset itself. So oh,
1: okay. blame blame the government.
2: I saw the blinking, and I thought, well, that's it.
0: So yeah. When you hear a boom before your power goes out, that's when it's going to be a while. It just flashes, you're like, shit. When it
2: goes pop, you're like... That takes me uh 10 minutes to fix because I go (laughs) on the cell network and it takes about 10 minutes to transfer all this over to that. So, yeah. yeah. No, the internet came back. I was lucky.
1: All, right. all right. Well, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and subscribe to the podcast feed. You can find all of that on unloosethegoose.com. We got some great Telegram chats for the community. There's a crypto geese one that's focused in on cryptocurrency. And then there's a broader Unloose the Goose talking all things freedom and agorism and preparedness and homesteading. So you can link to those on unloosethegoose.com. Again, I want to invite you to take part in the crypto demystifying crypto workshop. You can go to cryptoandprivacy.com, cryptoandprivacy.com or if you want to do a free mini course on how to set up a wallet, I set up this nice five, six video mini course, setupacryptowallet.com, setupacryptowallet.com. It'll show you how to do that. I may do a free report thing on just really simplifying and making it really easy to get onboarded with Pirate Chain because there's a lot of – it's a good coin. Need there's it. a lot of interest for sure. You need it.
0: Cool. Um, my, my little app I want to throw out for people to use, like keep track of like if you have your coins in different wallets and all, you want to manage your portfolio – yeah. uh coinstats.app that is my favorite management tool and it gives you options like you can connect it to your exchange accounts your wallets and shit like that i'm just going to say i don't do that i manually make my entries and things like that i don't i don't want any third party service linked into
2: yeah.
0: any shit like that but uh you can do a lot of ta with it you can see a lot of history you can watch you can do a lot of things and it's got a really great news section too it has, like, trending, latest, hot, all that shit, and it's aggregated from everywhere. Sweet. And my
2: crypto solution is just, if you need to stay awake while you're doing this, buy your coffee at <laughs> hollaroast.com. Yeah. Shameless promotion.
1: My girlfriend's Absolutely. been buy, been drinking it every morning. She likes it. We put yeah, it in well. our little Keurig machine in one of those little custom Keurig things where you can put anything in there. Holleroast is the shiz, man. It's good stuff. She's got shit all roasted up. All right, cool, ladies and gentlemen. This is Unloose the Goose. Nicole Sauce, Jack Spearco, John Bush, signing out till next week.
0: Honka honk. Unloose the